0: James earns millions from internet marketing. Tim's got millions of questions. Welcome to Freedom Ocean. Now, jump on in. Welcome back, listeners, to episode 52 of, well, Australia's favorite internet marketing podcast. What do you reckon, Shremko?
1: Well, you know, there's a lot of people in our community now podcasting, but I still think it's very popular. A lot of people ask us when the next episode's out. So yeah, we'll run with that. <laughs>
0: Correct. We'll run with that until someone tells us otherwise. What do you mean it's well, it's still
1: right there in the top of the charts. I noticed there; it's still there today, even though it's been a week or two since the last episode. And every time we release an episode, it jumps right up the top. So as at the time of this episode... Yes, it's still favourite. You know, you know one thing.
0: And enough naval gaze. I'm going to stop that right now because I tell you what. I tell you what annoys me listening to podcasts that you don't get on mass media. And I do love my podcasts, but you don't hear um, hosts of radio shows or
1: TV shows talking about their ratings. Oh, I disagree. Uh, the, the top radio shows always tell listeners that because they need that advertising dollar, and you know, we don't have advertisers on this show
0: oh, i'm not sure i don't listen to it. having said that i don't listen to a lot of commercial radio but i think i think podcasters go on a bit uh a bit too much about the medium and the um their their
1: ratings or otherwise
0: but you know stand to be <laughs> well i can say that because i'm a yeah podcaster. and it was
1: you that actually mentioned it too which is somewhat oh, correct
0: yeah. Well, no. Well, I try not to do it. I mean, with with my other show, I you know I say it's Australia's number one because it is, but on, on more times than not. But I kind of don't then sort of dwell on it. So um, anyway, uh,
1: there you go. Just a bit of a <laughs> bit of a rant up front. Well, you know, it's every time I look at my local bottle shop, Sydney's fourth best bottle shop. I wonder is that a good thing or a bad thing? Uh, most people tell me that it's a good thing. But I still think it's interesting positioning. You know? But if you, if you are the top, I mean, I, did, I saw in the podcast iTunes today, I was just checking your ranking and you, you were number one in the business section. I mean, if you're number one, you're number one and, and why not be proud of that? And my new podcast is number, it was number three today in the health section in its first week. And I and it's at least a benchmark to have a look at and say, well, okay, I've got two more people to to take on now to get to that top spot, and it's kind of motivating mm-hmm. if you have a competitive spirit. So I'm competitive. I'm not sure about you, but other people yeah. probably uh, it probably pushes people to compete, and it raises the bar for everyone.
0: On a on a scale of one being a sloth and B and ten being unbelievably competitive, what are you? What would you rate yourself?
1: So ten's unbelievably competitive.
0: Yeah, yeah. You are like, um, I don't know, who's the most competitive person we know? Probably any that Olympic hundred. athlete. Or yeah, yeah, or, correct.
1: Or, I'd say I'm in. I'm closer to the ten than the one. I am competitive. Right. I know that about me. Yeah. The smiling assassin. <laughs> well, it's, the velvet, I, Sled,
0: the velvet sledgehammer.
1: Ever since I've been in a commission-only environment, it just that became a way of life. It's you're only as good as your current month or the last month, and that's it. And you, and you start from scratch on the first of every month, and you have to compete uh, with everyone else in a dog-eat-dog environment. And and then I learned to compete with myself, and that's when I actually went past the others in the sales environment. I wasn't benchmarking off them anymore; I was benchmarking off me and my results. Extrapolated, there was a couple of months where I would sell as many as the other five salespeople put together, and I couldn't have done that if I was benchmarking off them because I would have held myself back unnecessarily
0: hmm how do you uh, how do you congratulate yourself then do you just head down to the mirror and sort of go oh, J- James
1: you' have done very very well this month, my friend you know I think in business it is important to acknowledge. Your successes and I set targets and rewards. So, uh, my hundred thousand dollar a year target was to buy a Omega Speedmaster. That was my goal. My and a Am- what's an Omega Speedmaster? The it's also watch? called the Moon Watch. Yeah, it's like a automatic watch, fantastic watch. They cost about three thousand dollars back then, and they're probably about four thousand now. And That was my goal and my boss walked me down to the jewellery store and we bought it together and it was exciting. Oh, that's very – what a lovely picture that was. Yeah, it was romantic. No, we got a good deal though from the (laughs) watchmaker who was also a customer. I think it cost about $1,700 but I also justified it on, you know, that this is something I can hand to my son one day and it won't lose value. The next goal was, you know, when I became a general manager or when I owned a Mercedes dealership, I would buy the Rolex Daytona And that was the next goal. And they were incredibly hard to get and much more expensive. They were more like the $15,000, $16,000 mark. And again, to lock in that success, it's just a little reminder or a constant anchor that, hey, you know what? I've been up against challenges and I've succeeded. So I can do this over and over. It's a behavior. It's a pattern that I can repeat. And I apply this to every aspect of my life.
0: So how do you reward yourself these days now that you're working by yourself?
1: The next big reward is my Ferrari 458 Italia and I've I've got that set in my mind and I I've, I've just got to get there and then it will activate.
0: Mhm. How far away is that?
1: <laughs> I'm probably um, I'm not quite halfway there so it's right. it's a pretty lofty goal and some would think it's extravagant that it would cost close to $600,000. However, when I reach my goal it won't really be a significant uh, thing, but to get to that I will have to help so many people and create value for so many others and employ lots of people that I certainly mm-hmm. won't feel selfish about it it'll be a great mm-hmm. reward
0: and um, when you say how, how do you measure being halfway there based on halfway halfway to what of what
1: sales turnover right or as our overseas compatriots say um revenue revenue
0: hmm oh well hope it comes soon, mate. I'll have a lift. Please pick me up from the
1: airport. I will. I think you enjoy being picked up from the airport. When we used to get together for these things live, remember? We did. We did. There was no
0: real need for that, but at that point we hadn't met, so, you know. That was good. I bore you?
1: remember you walked past me at the airport a couple of times until I could jump in front of the, the big man and say, stop. <laughs> <laughs> it's me. Look down here. Who's that weirdo?
0: Who's yeah. that weirdo? Security. Security. So what, are we t-
1: what are we talking about today?
0: Just stuff, mate. How we're ranking on iTunes, I thought.
1: <laughs> we're awesome. Okay, so. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah, just, you know, whether what kind of cars we're looking at buying, iTunes rankings, watches. I wonder if
1: anyone's shouting at their little um, podcast app right now, like I do, and I listen to shit on podcasts. Just going, like, really? Who are these guys? No, there, there really is some really crappy podcasts, and I'm like, seriously is this news to anyone like and i hit the plus 30 seconds plus 30 seconds then i'm out all right and then they just get taken off my library <laughs> never to be listened well, to again to anyone
0: who's still listening um and you know we're probably going at they probably got us on two speed at the moment just to get through this but it is interesting the point you make does have impact because I, I remember saying a few months ago that Content marketing is, is obviously the new black in the world of marketing online and off and there's a whole lot more people producing a whole lot more podcasts and vodcasts and videos and books and forums and you name it because it's becoming a whole lot easier and a whole lot cheaper and therefore the quality has to,
1: um, the challenge is, is quality now. Totally agree. Um, so in my mm. case, I've been upping the ante on myself. I've gotten better with my videos. I've really paid more attention to the audio quality. And I'm also uh, the rich media content, those custom pictures. The I'm teaching myself now how to edit better and to put in B-roll and diagrams and have things scroll across the screen and, and to make it more engaging and interesting and I'm noticing a lot more participation in the comments when I post a video and I'm even learning more about what to ask people or how to keep them involved with the, the videos so that it can grow and it's really having a good effect on all the all the metrics in the business across the board. So I think content is where it's at and mm. um, appealing to One of the big questions I asked recently was about whether people value transcriptions because there was a whole discussion about this in my forum, you know, is it worth it? And I think people who are on a budget find it's expensive and they're not quite sure if they get a result from it. But boy, Mm -hmm. did people respond in the positive for that. Like absolutely they want transcriptions. So I think people Mm -hmm. who are prepared to fund better content, Who will produce uh, more modalities and put that effort in are going to get the audience share, and they're the ones who can profit from it.
0: Yeah, it's interesting that transcription discussion because, um, yeah, I mean, from my point of view, it's not. uh, My I'm getting transcriptions done for like a dollar per ten audio minutes, uh, which is pretty inexpensive. Um, I actually just today got an email from a listener. Who works for some kind of disability service. And he was suggesting that I, he put me in touch with someone who I should interview about how to ensure you're on your, your business's online presence is amped up for the hearing and sight impaired. And obviously transcription, somebody, you know, that's a whole audience that most businesses online are missing out on because, you know, I, and I don't know what percentage it is. I don't know the numbers around it, but the idea of transcriptions obviously is great for the hearing impaired. And, um, a
1: whole lot of ways, but um,
0: and good for SEO too.
1: It's fantastic, and, and what I found interesting is a lot of people switch between modalities. Sometimes they'll watch a video, sometimes they'll listen, and other times they'll scan, or they might do a pre-scan to decide if it's worth watching, or they use the search box. And here's an interesting stat. Now, obviously, if the whole thing's transcribed and they're using the search on your site, they can find your content to then go and listen to that podcast. But mm-hmm. my my friend Ezra, who has e-commerce stores, was telling me that 5% of the people on his site use the search box on his e-commerce store and those people generate 20% of his sales. So the people who are prepared to search are the more uh, commercially validated people because they know what they're looking for and they want to find it. And if you've got it yep. and you can present it to them, then that's good. So I think... The transcription really takes advantage of the search. And we even take the whole transcription and paste it into the YouTube videos so that someone can actually get the entire uh, video transcribed. And and absolutely, it's great for the hearing impaired. Hmm. Uh, I didn't know you could put that many words into a YouTube description. The the whole lot. In fact, I think they have a go at making it themselves, but they botch it up. But you can actually, when you load your video, you can load the Hmm. transcription as well.
0: Uh just into the description box or no, is there a special No field into the for captions section. Huh. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. Well I'm sort of going back into that. I haven't done transcribing for a while for <clears throat> for small business big marketing, but I certainly intend to. I've got I've got a few being done at the moment and getting back into that zone. Mm. You, hey mate, you've uh, just been to uh San Fran and to the traffic and conversion
1: summit you are one for continual learning uh, good trip fantastic trip it's definitely one of the best conferences that I've been to certainly the biggest in this industry there was 1800 people there and that hmm. lo- it looks big in the room uh, everything's big in America. Well, typically they'll have five or 600 people at an event which is bigger than most events here in this industry where you might get 150 or 250 and I, I like the scale of it but almost everyone who I've been seeing for the last five years was there and just in one place so it's super convenient to fly over and have everyone there in one place. The event was well run and basically all the people who are either customers or, or – um, contacts for me were in that event so if i'm going to go to the united states a couple of times a year i want to maximize my trip and that Mm. was a great one and i'll definitely go to that event next year and it was the first time i've been to that particular one and i'm sure it will cast a shadow over some of the other ones who are you know in the immediate vicinity of it there's a marketers cruise and then there's a an underground after it and i think this one will be the one to go to they had a marketers cruise no, there was a different mob have have an ah, event on right. at almost the same time. So I'm sure everyone who was on the other one probably heard about this and thought, "Gosh, I wish I was at that one."
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. A and marketers' if- cruise <laughs> be lots of long white socks and patent white shoes on that oh, that I, little uh, trip.
1: I couldn't stand to go on a boat and be stuck there <laughs> for days. I, I've done it with you know up the Nile and Egypt or whatever. And the big problem, of course, is stuff like internet connectivity and being a little bit claustro in that place. I like the open space and, and the ability to move around. So this event so,
0: was it's great. Um, traffic and Conversion Summit. Is that I just feels it feels dry. I know you'd love that. It would be like internet porn for someone like you talking about traffic and conversions. Was there um, a whole lot of intellectuals running around or um, was there a bit of excitement?
1: No, it wasn't. It's not like a tech geek thing. I'm not in the tech geek side of things, so it's not like the um, the SEO conferences, which I think would be as boring as anything. <laughs> it's far more the marketers thing. It's like how to take advantage of being a self published author. So they had people like Timothy Ferris and Guy Kawasaki and Tucker Max, like really interesting, colorful characters talking mm-hmm. about publishing books. Uh, dealing with publishers, foreign language markets. Uh, they talked about the opportunities that Kindle have. They had uh, Ezra Firestone, my other co-host from the other podcast I have, talked about e-commerce. I managed to wangle a spot on stage talking about my uh, own the race course style of marketing, uh, this, this new version of content instead of traditional SEO traffic and having people on multiple subscriptions, making sure that you're absolutely everywhere with the major traffic funnels like Facebook and YouTube and iTunes and Google and your own blog and your email list. So that was cool. How how'd you wangle yourself on stage? Well, uh, the first thing so I did was well, I emailed the event organiser. Uh, mm. There was two guys, Ryan Dice and Perry Belcher. I emailed Perry and said, is this event of yours any good? And he replied back and said, dude, you should absolutely come to it as my guest. So that was step one. And then when I went there, I did what I normally do. I put my luggage in the room. I have a shower, get changed, and then I go down to the bar. And that is where it starts. The event definitely starts the night before at the bar. And people just come in from everywhere and they, they start talking and it gets louder and louder. And Perry was there. And he said, hey, it'd be so good to have you present a couple of slides if you could give them to my assistant. And I said, absolutely, I'd love to do that. And this was for the next day. So the next day, I gave my slides, about 20 slides, to his assistant. I got involved in a multi-speaker panel thing and I got to speak on the topic that I wanted to talk about and there was 1800 mm-hmm. pairs of eyes staring back at me and of course being able to speak on day one is fantastic positioning because from the from then on for the rest of the event people come to you and they say oh I loved your presentation or I really resonated with what you spoke about or how do I find out more about your services or how do I get your guys to work on my site it was just like a sales dream you've got these ready-made prospects right there who know about your stuff. And by the way, we had a lot of Freedom Ocean listeners. So a big shout out to all the, the people who came mm-hmm. up to me and said, hey, I love Freedom Ocean. It's a fantastic podcast. You don't mm-hmm. know how powerful these podcasts are until you go to a live event and all these strangers come up to you and say, hey, I love your show. or I love your videos. or I love your podcast. But podcasts are hot. And I told them that as well. Was there a podcast speaker? Mm, can't recall there being a podcast wow. speaker. I, I think that like, really surprises. Surprises and disappoints. You know, I think Australia is a little more onto this right now. Like, If you look around the, the fields, you know, like um, Jay Cowher and Pete Williams and there's us and there's um, – well, I mean, just us. We've got like five or six. We're greedy um, <laughs> <laughs> between the two of us. Like you've got two and I've got four. Uh, so I think we're really – that's what that whole competitive thing is. That's what that um, teaching we're teaching our community. I'm certainly in Fast Web Formula. Oh, and Dan Norris. I mean, there's a stack of podcasters there, and then we've branched into other subgroups of podcasters, like um, Dan Andrews and Tim Connolly, and that Th- those podcasts there. I've sort of crossed across and merged the listenership, and they're all supporting each other. And there are some guys making headway in the states, like um, Entrepreneur on Fire, John Dumas. And a lot of the the good content shows like Mixergy have podcasts, and I think Rich Sheffran has one. But but we are certainly doing really well on a global scale with podcasts here, and it's it's you know we keep banging the drum about it because it's worked so well for us. That really surprises
0: me that um, there's just there was no dedicated podcast
1: speaker. The big thing they're to is Amazon and Kindle, like that is what's hot right now in the states. It's about being an author and not putting out those schlocky resale rights stuff like having an actual good quality, properly copywritten, um, edited, formatted Kindle and piggybacking the powerhouse of Amazon. That's that's what they're all talking about right now.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How easy is that, mate, without going into technical detail? So you're talking about writing a book and yep. having it having it uh, ready to be put on a kit, having it Kindle Publish, is that a particular file type? What's involved?
1: Yeah, but, but from what I can understand, you can pretty much do it all up in Word type document and have it. Yeah. The, the big thing that Guy Kawasaki was talking about is you have to have it properly checked. You, can, you can't possibly get it grammatically correct. You need to have it professionally uh, checked over and then you submit it And he said, put a lot of effort into the design cover. But the bottom line is it's easier now than ever in history to publish your own stuff. And when you've got your Kindle up against some other guy's Kindle, they don't even know who the publisher was. It could be Random House. It could be Penguin. It could be yourself. It doesn't matter anymore. What you want is that most compelling cover with a really good title that has the author's name that's easy to read and it's... A good quality book, and then from that you can just keep doing that. And that position you for power and authority in the market. And I mean, you're you're writing a book, aren't you? Ah uh, yeah, I am. I yep, am. and so's uh, another friend of mine, Dan Andrews, and and I am as well. And I think this will be a popular wave. I mean, uh, us internet marketers and you business owners, we should all be putting out that book if we've got something useful. I mean, a lot of I love that saying. You know, everyone's got a book in them, and that's exactly where it should stay. Yeah. I was talking to a guy. Um, for most people, I was at an
0: event. I was at an event this morning. My my uh, my daughter started. Year 7 and when they had a bit of a, you know, morning tea for parents and I got talking to a guy who owns a restaurant and he's telling me like our January, it's a restaurant down on the beach, like literally on the water and uh, he's saying, you know, like January's just been nuts but thank God because come May, June, uh, he's just going to be hoping, praying that he gets a whole lot of wedding and big function bookings and I shared the idea with him of writing a book because he said you know, he found out I was a marketing guy and said, you know, what are you, what advice have you got? And I said, you know, like I'm imagining there's a whole lot of brides and grooms come down looking at your place and you hand them a card, a business card and a brochure, but have you thought about writing a book? And he said, what, writing a book about my venue? And I said, no, like writing a book, you know, for example, um, how to hold, you know, the secrets to holding the best wedding ever and you know interspersing shots of his location with genuine tips this guy has hosted how's this mate he has hosted he's been the he's been responsible for holding 500 weddings at his venue so he knows a thing or two so you can imagine the book in him and you can imagine the idea of giving a book over to a prospect as opposed to a brochure or a business card
1: yeah, I think so. I think if you have a book, if you have a Kindle, if you have a podcast, if you have a video channel, if you have a powerful content blog, you can write your own ticket.
0: Mm. Mm. It's all about conversion, though, isn't it, mate? It's all very well to have a podcast or have a book. What, well, I treat what, them what, all you- as
1: traffic, and that's where people have a different viewpoint. I treat the podcast, book, content blog, they're all just traffic and they push people back into my system which has services and products. So Mm -hmm. I'm converting like crazy. I mean it literally generates millions of dollars in revenue from my front-end traffic activities. Mm -hmm. The big mistake I think people make is they, they pin all their hopes on this book or podcast or blog being the income generator. It's just a traffic machine and if you can fuel that traffic machine from Facebook and iTunes and uh, YouTube and Google and have that just driving traffic and I've been experimenting this on Superfast Business, it can be the most powerful traffic machine ever but you still have to send them somewhere. That's why I have things that people can buy. They can buy a mastermind. They can buy a done-for-you traffic service. They can buy an internet marketing coaching community which includes meetups, etc., And that is how the money gets to change hands because A, they find out about you. B, they know what you have that can solve their problem. And C, you make it a natural consequence. So that is the ABC of creating a powerful multimillion-dollar empire is get your products and services sorted and then drive traffic to them with your powerful authority machine.
0: Mm. Tell me about um, just going back to Amazon. Um, so, okay, so they're all all the big guys are talking about Amazon at this traffic and conversion summit. H- how should we, the business owners, view Amazon these days? What is it? It's no, it's clearly no longer a place to buy just books. I mean, that's been the case for a long time now. It's pretty much a, it's a massive online department store. Um,
1: but how, wh- how should we view it? It's a platform. It's, it's just like a Facebook or a YouTube or a Google. It's a platform that has a ready- Well, hang on
0: no, because those three things are social media. They're, you can have two-way conversations online.
1: You can so have a two-way how they conversation they the on Amazon. <clears throat> There's a review section. You, yeah. have, you have people okay. review your books. You, you email them. This is what they're talking about. You email your friends and then your colleagues and then your customers and your alpha testers the book. Uh, You send them the chapter. You ask them to go and and comment on the book, and then you release the thing for free for a short period, and then ask people if they, if you, you know, if if you don't mind, could you just go and leave a review? So now you're getting a participation, and these reviews can make or break sales. Uh, The, the bad reviews can hurt sales unless you're completely unknown, and then in some cases they actually drag more people. to become aware of you than what actually found out about you before, which is an interesting stat. But I think that it's a two-way street now. And the most important thing is is, it's a ready-made platform of buyers and it's already raking in all the long-tail search on every possible thing. And then when you put your product there, just like in our podcasting system – if someone buys a different book in the same category and the similar reviews, then yours will show right near it and say, you know, people mm-hmm. who like this also like that. And then they're marketing and following up that customer for you. So just like the iTunes ecosystem, this Amazon ecosystem, is it's just a traffic haven. And if you can put good inputs into there, you can tap it.
0: Can you um, – okay, so pe- people can leave reviews. Can you, as the author, respond to those reviews? You can't on
1: iTunes. Probably only in your content somehow. So, I mean, if, if I were to treat it like every other part of my business, I would be using it as a way to bring people to my site where I can have that discussion. Like right. we bring people to our website, freedomotion.com. People do comment and discuss things and we can always address things in future episodes. And I think the whole concept is, it's so easy to be publishing things these days that you can follow up with more products and more iterations.
0: Can you? Um, so Amazon, we should view it as a platform. Uh, you're suggesting it is another social media channel, although, albeit,
1: it's, no, it's I'm a not saying general. I'm not saying it's social media, but I'm saying that there is peer, there is social. Interaction on there uh, from the actual buyers that bring it a level of legitimacy versus the mm-hmm. the you know the, the traditional publisher model is you pay someone a stack of money, they publish your book, then you pay them a stack of money to go a- and put them on in all the bookstores through a distribution, and then you pay someone a stack of money to go and buy them from all the bookstores so that it ranks in the top ten on the New York Times bestseller list, and then that social kick in happens and people start buying it because it's a top best seller, which is funny because we've looped back to the original part of our conversation about why you tell people when you are the number one because it makes people want it more and they buy more of it. Now, you don't have to go through that entire media manipulation. Now, you can format and edit things and get it checked over and get it out to the market cheaper and start that distribution funnel you know, without having to go through companies, and they used some pretty good examples of bestsellers that had been rejected, like The Four Hour Workweek, uh, like Fifty Shades of Grey. Like a lot of these things were apparently rejected by many publishers, but now you don't even have to deal with the publisher.
0: Mm. Tell me, um, with Amazon, is it um, do can anyone upload anything, or is there an approval process through Amazon?
1: I have not uploaded anything to Amazon, so I can't right. tell you. But I believe okay. there's the Create Space or uh, the Kindle KDP or whatever. There's mm-hmm. this platform that you can load things up and I'm sure they'll have an approval process. And if it's mm-hmm. good, where people come unstuck is they upload crap and then the reviews just slaughter it <laughs> so it gets stopped dead in yeah. its tracks. You want to upload yeah. good stuff.
0: And when we're talking about upload, mate, we, we, really it is, it's a book. In a Kindle and and a hard version, yeah? Soft and hard versions. Exactly. You can't upload courses. You can't
1: upload anything else but books, correct? Courses is a great topic. I don't think so, but that's where I'd be looking at sites like Udemy. And I think for for the average small-time publisher, it's going to be easier just to take advantage of the already existing infrastructure and platform, and these guys are just rocking it, Linda, Udemy, put your course in there, they'll take a little bit of revenue from it but they'll also have an audience and they'll promote it for you. So I think that we're going through a maturing phase. We won't see those red-letter individual sales pages and you know little PayPal-protected paywalls and stuff for single products. I think that's getting cleaned up and even in my own business, I've gone along and had a good look at the numbers and I've swept up my front-end products and put them into my membership and now I've got a main a main product of Fastweb Formula and that's where I put all my products so people can join one membership and get access to all of the products instead of buying them as standalone products anymore and my job is to just publish so much free line content with videos and podcasts that people can see what they're getting well and truly in advance and then just step into that standard membership and I think mm-hmm. You know, if, if you're going to have your own platform, you're going to have to put investment and make it solid because there'll be a big gap between the Udemy's and the little sole operator slapping up their domain name and a cheap little site. And I think we've, we're past that phase now in internet marketing and publishing your own stuff. You'd probably be better to create, well, firstly, just parasite off big platforms like Amazon and Udemy. And secondly, if you are going to build your own thing, make it solid, make it good and put some resource behind it to make it stick. And I'm getting critical mass of like 600 members. That's enough for me to have my platforms successful when there's, you know, every day you see someone setting up a brand new Facebook group or a meetup or whatever, but these things are free and, and they're busy, but there's, it's very hard to monetize. Mm,
0: mm. Yeah, it's very true. Do you know? Um, do you know anyone who's making money off off um, off Facebook?
1: That's a pretty general phrase. Oh, I make yeah, money off what? Facebook. <laughs> it's probably one of my top three referrers for my business. Uh, and when I say that. Superfast Business is my hub and that's my own the race course case study and a lot of the traffic coming to that is from Facebook because everyone's on Facebook, it's easy for me to share pictures and videos and bring people back to my site and that's where the journey begins because then they may join my newsletter or they might be tagged with a remarketing cookie and I can follow them around with banners then and make suggestions anywhere on the internet but it started at Facebook. And in terms are you of selling
0: any,
1: are you selling any of your um training products individually now, or is it all found in fast web formula? I only sell wealthification separately, which is wow. not in fast web formula, and now I just I've made fast web formula cheaper to buy than it used to be, and it's the place where I put everything, and I've got just that one product now, so instead of someone paying. $39 for own the race course they just pay uh, $79 to join fast web formula and they can get all of my products and then they can stick around each month if they like it and i keep adding new things in there and what they come in for the information products but they stay for the community and for access to me and to be involved with hundreds of other like-minded entrepreneurs who are really interested in growing their business so it turns out to be great value for them and it It justifies my time to turn up and participate every day. Why do you
0: keep Wealth Vacation out?
1: Because I think it's a really useful stepping stone course to my mastermind and it gives people the insights that they'll need to prepare themselves. Because I've got a minimum criteria now of $10,000 per month revenue to join my mastermind, then there's, you know, not everyone's at that point but Wealthification will help them get to that point. If they watch it and implement it, it will really help them grow their business much stronger. That's Mm. why I've left it as a separate product and it's not inside FastWeb Formula. So I want to keep developing that product as a standalone product for now.
0: Hey, just going back to San Francisco and um, the Traffic Conversion Summit, just let's finish up by uh, maybe you could share... What was your biggest, it sounds like your biggest
1: aha moment was kind of having the Amazon penny drop. Uh, anything else? Well, that wasn't really the biggest aha moment. I was just contrasting podcasts there. For me, the, the, big, the biggest thing is that, as you know, the end of last year, I dropped my affiliate program and decided to earn my reputation and earn my referrals where instead of having incentivizing people to send me traffic now they send me traffic because my content's good so the biggest aha moment for me was that i can now interview and discuss with other people who have huge communities i mean there's a there's a guy there who's got about 1600 people in his community on a Mm -hmm. monthly recurring fee and if you do the numbers on that uh it's quite a decent revenue I can interview and podcast with him without needing to put an affiliate link to his stuff and he doesn't need an affiliate link to my stuff. And when we make that content together and we both promote it, then we both win without it being a dirty sort of affiliated Mm. or under the Mm. table exchange of commissions. So the big key for me is I'm getting super empowered by not having uh, paid affiliates, by I guess I'm turning into one of those bloggers or content marketers who trying to craft good content and pillar posts and useful videos and I'm enjoying that more than anything. But I found connecting with the people who can take that out to their community was super empowering and now I can do things that I couldn't do before because it was just a bit awkward. Mm. Mm. Yeah, interesting, mate. That's a, that's a, it's a massive change, isn't it? It is a massive change and it's the way forward. And I, I'm, I'm going to predict that in a few years from now, there'll be very, very tight affiliate programs, you know, and really heavily regulated and super hard to join compared to now for the average thing. And people will want brand control and branding and uh, reputation will mean a lot more in this, as social media gets more and more embedded into society and that's why I think the stuff that you do will actually be in more demand in a year or two from now than it has been a few years ago.
0: Uh, in What are you referring to in particular?
1: Talking about your brand uh, exercises and workshops on right. how to define who you are and what people think yeah. about when they think about your brand and stuff because uh, I can tell you the number one search traffic for my stuff is people looking for super fast business, like so, typing that into Google. They want Mm -hmm. to find my brand and my site pops up. That is Mm. a hot – that's a hot asset that I own is that mind space around that brand and that's why I'm rolling in my other podcasts uh, where possible into that brand and I'm rolling my front-end products into uh, that brand uh, and making sure that that I've got that central place where everything comes to. I'm even going to give away some of my front-end products that I used to charge for on that site to draw more people in and to give more value. If you had to drop all content marketing channels except one, which one would you keep? When you say channels, do you mean my…
0: Podcasting, Facebook,
1: YouTube, all those different ways of generating traffic? Well, I would podcast over YouTube, and I would probably just keep Facebook… As the primary traffic source back to my blog, Facebook is still a King Kong. Mm-hmm. Uh, the podcast brings the higher value ones, but they, you know, the thing that I found is they work best together. A lot of people are on both. Almost everyone listening to Freedom Ocean has probably been to my blog or seen my Facebook page at some point if they've been listening to more than a couple of episodes. Mm-hmm. And the same would be true if someone who visits my blog over and over again or is a member of my forum or or whatever would probably find my podcasts. And the whole key is just uh, put put your stuff into the main traffic sources so that people can have repeated exposure and yep. they end up knowing all about what you have and what problems you can solve and then they actually take action. Mm. Mm. So Facebook, uh, then
0: podcasting, then YouTube. Yep. Yeah, yeah that'd be fair. That would be fair. Why did you put YouTube um, below podcasting? Because from what I understand, videos have higher conversion, but podcasting has higher, um, what would you say, listenership, penetration?
1: Reach, yeah. Reach, because people can listen to them in more places. I think it's easier to make podcasts. Uh, I could, yeah, much easier. You no, know, I could I could crank out ten podcast episodes a day easily I, just to talk. It's a lot more fiddly to set up lights and cameras and mics and then edit it. So I think it's an easier medium. I think that it's still uh, relative to competition. You can have massive cut through. I mean, your thing sitting there in number one spot. I don't know if we mentioned that already in this episode, but <laughs> um, like you have the audience, like anyone who's logging on to that business section of itunes in australia is going to find you so you've got cut through this there's, there's probably a lot more competition on youtube but i think you know the beauty of it is tim i can do all of them and i and i will i'm going to participate in all of them and when my book's finished and i'm on amazon i'm going to have that perfect storm of i'm um, absolutely every single place that my customer might be for my category so i'll be on amazon itunes youtube google uh, you know, I want to be there, and I'll probably put one of my courses in Udemy and test that out as well, because I think mm. that that's a smart thing to do. And probably I'd put wealthification on there. It makes sense to do that. What about MySpace? <laughs> oh yeah, I think that could be uh, could be past its prime. <laughs> <laughs> do you think? You know, I just no, got my yeah. five year Twitter anniversary tweet the other day. So <laughs> isn't that funny how how uh, things change? But when I was on Twitter. No one had heard of it and now it's, it's, it's on every radio station and, and news break and TV. So who knows what we'll be doing in five years from now but I can tell you one well, thing. The most yeah. important thing is to own the asset, own your own site, own your email list. It doesn't really matter what I'll be doing in five years but if, if, people, if I can reach my audience then I can tell them what I'm doing and, and it won't matter. Mm. Too true. So true, true. Good place to wrap it up, James.
0: Uh, excellent mate. Welcome back. And um, I think that is I don't know how you're going to frame this interview, this interview, <laughs> this um, this chat because we covered a bit of ground, but that's okay. That's okay. It's sort of short sharp snippets of stuff and
1: um we could you call it the we could just call it stuff because stuff. <laughs> it's yeah, a yeah, real yeah. grab bag, isn't it? Yeah, it is a grab bag. That's okay. That's okay. And oh, Can uh, I share an amazing resource? Here we go. Amazing resource. Uh, I've been, as you know, like the last few episodes, I've taken over doing some of the editing because we've been um, – mm-hmm. I'm really getting my hands dirty with this um, content stuff and the team are learning about this too. And I put together the show and splice it up and I'm not a sound engineer and I'm not using all the fancy stuff. I don't know how it works. I don't have Adobe, whatever. But there's this amazing software called Orphonic a-u-p-h-o-n-i-c dot com. Apparently it's funded by the Austrian government but they've got all these sound geeks and you load up your raw file and it could be a YouTube video or an an audio of any format. You load it up and then they actually process it and they like balance it, equalize it, adjust it, take out the hiss, the noise and clean it up and make it perfect and then you download it again. And I've done this for the last few episodes of Freedom Ocean. Some guy actually emailed me. He said, I'm trying to listen to your podcast, but it's out of balance. One person is louder in one ear than the other. Could be because I have a slight hearing loss in one ear, <laughs> who figures. <laughs> but um, he sent me this resource and he said, could you please, you know, for the love of the Lord Jesus, use this software. So I loaded it up and then downloaded it and it was great. Now, any track that I've got, it's part of our standard operating procedure. It goes through Orphonic. Every YouTube video, every single audio that I put out on any of my podcasts, on thinkatget.com, on uh, Freedom Motion, it gets orphonic and it just gets beautifully balanced. And these guys are like so cool with service. They see what I'm loading up. They email me back and said, you know if you tick the uh, the hiss and noise button, it, you'll get a better rendering. I'm like, really? And by the way, this is free figure that out god love the austrian don't, government don't
0: don't tell anyone
1: i won't we won't mention it on the podcast <laughs> don't we'll keep it our little phonic. secret Com. correct <laughs>
0: that's amazing i'm going there now yeah all right but freedom motion. Ocean-
1: oh and it integrates with dropbox and amazon and LibSync and everything It just like you just drop it in the file and it does it automatically love a bit of integration with dropbox all right mate great to catch up Freedomotion.com is where
0: you will find us, where the bloke's lying in the beach chairs, one with a quizzical look on his face, the other one just enjoying life. Until next time, see you later. See ya